So again, I just want to thank you for being here. Um, so glad people showed up. <laughs> send out invitations and then you pray to God that uh, we'll send you people to, to be with you and um, pray with you. And I hope to show off a little bit of what we've been doing here at Newman in the a uh, little over, or a little under two months that I've been here as the director and chaplain. But if you don't know me already, I'm Father Connor Danstrom. Um, I'm the new director and chaplain here at Newman. Uh, I mentioned these priests in the beginning. Father Peter Peter Wojcik is the director of um, the Department of Parish Vitality and Mission, also known as the Meyer Center, also known as kind of my boss. <laughs> uh, so he he runs things downtown, um, under which the agency John Paul II Newman Center works and. Um, pays its bills and, and all that stuff. So we're, we're honored that you're here, Father Peter. Father Tim Monahan is the vocation director for the Archdiocese of Chicago, so he's recruiting new priests. You might wonder why he's here <laughs> at a Newman Center trying to find vocations to the priesthood, especially for the Archdiocese of Chicago. And Father Jamie Mueller, who now is my roommate at the, at the residence here uh, at Newman, uh, just down the block here on Morgan Street, he's the director of youth or young adult engagement um, at the Department of Parish Vitality and Mission. So thank you, brothers in the priesthood, for being here, and thank you all. Um, you all know who you are, and I'll get to greet you a little bit more afterwards at dinner. I was uh, thinking this week about um, a few years ago now, maybe less, I had the occasion to see myself on video as a young child. We were watching, um, by the way, my parents are here also, I should introduce them, Rich and Colleen Danstrom, there in front. Uh, we were watching in the basement after uh, Christmas Eve, I believe, a video that had been turned over to digital from those old camcorders, the little, the little tapes that you never had any way to play. They put it onto uh, a DVD. And we were watching these old videos from Memorial Day uh, parties of our family, all my cousins and aunts and uncles. And they had a, we went to the uncle's house and we had a pool. Um, and I was a nervous little kid, especially when I was really little. And I was looking for myself on video, and there I was with my dad on the side of the pool, just barely with my feet in, with an inner tube around me, clinging to the side, and my dad trying to say to me, it's okay, you can go in, it'll help you float. But I just wouldn't trust it. And I, I, I remember that fear of water, uh, that what if I don't float? And every time I go down here, it just feels like I sink, and I'm going to drown. And I also remember in that same pool, very vividly, the first time I ever swam in the deep end. When years later, uh, I just went out without any floaties on, no water wings, and I just swam in the deep end. And I realized that, oh, I can do this. That yeah, you sink for a little bit, but then you just paddle up, and then you breathe, and then you go back down, and it's actually kind of fun. Right? And that's the, it's this liberating but scary feeling of independence of stepping out into the deep and, and testing whether, can I really do this? And then you do it and you take the risk and you say, I can. And then you've learned something new and you grow and you mature and you, you grow in confidence. And I don't know if it's that I'm now in a college atmosphere or the readings this week that I thought about that experience, but I think especially in college, it was a very, very similar emotion that I had stepping out of my comfort zone, letting go of all these things that I hung on to, I went to Champaign for, for college, uh, University of Illinois, going far from home for the first time, having to do my own laundry, God forbid, learning how to do all these things for the first time that I had never done before. But it's exhilarating because there's infinite possibilities, but also infinite uncertainties. It's 
that interplay between exhilarating and terrifying that is the large experience of our young people today, and especially people coming to college for the first time. I was at the Marketplace, which is for new students here at UIC, just uh, about a month ago with Sister Diane. And this is for all the transfers and freshmen that come in, and they, they just do a little 15-minute circuit around some of the uh, activities or things that people, they want, they want students to get engaged in, from the campus police to the library to the credit union to us, the Newman Center. And the kids are just kind of like taking, you know, little freebies of frisbees and magnets and whatever and shoving them in their little bag and, and going on. And there was one girl who stopped and engaged us and talked to us, and she, I could see in her face that excitement of going to college. I'm leaving home. I'm going to college. And I said, so are you excited? And she said, yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready for a fresh start and to be me, to be myself. And I thought, that's, that's it. That's what kids want to do. They want to start fresh and they want to be themselves. This, this is why they're dyeing their hair purple and wearing all sorts, trying out new outfits that they never would have had the guts to do in high school because they're always trying to fit in. Now they're trying to figure out who they are and be themselves and let go of some of those things that were hindering them, those hang-ups that they had. Now that's a good thing, but there's a shadow side to it. Right? Because the church often is one of those things that's been a hang-up. Oh, that's my parents' thing. And now I can finally be myself and think for myself. And the church doesn't have to... I went to 12 years of Catholic school. I'm done going to Mass. Right? And so they strike out on their own. And you know the statistics is just from the Pew Forum. I quote, more than a third of millennials, those born between 1981 and 1996, and yes, that puts me in the millennial category, and 1996, the ending edge of that is those who graduated last year. More than a third of them claim no religious affiliation, and just 16% identify as Catholic. It says, and perhaps more troubling for the church, for every one Catholic convert, more than six Catholics leave the church. For every one convert to the church, you lose six. Taken a step further, Catholicism loses more members than it gains at a higher rate than any other denomination with nearly 13% of all Americans describing themselves as, quote, former Catholics. So former Catholics almost is as many as current Catholics in, in the millennial cohort. Now this is bad news, and we all know it, and we can talk about it. And, uh, but I think that this reading from Joshua the reading from Exodus that we read for our first reading, where Joshua is putting it to the people Israel. is very apropos to this moment. The people Israel, of course, were led out of slavery in Egypt through miracles, signs and wonders that God did on their behalf to set them free and led them through the desert, feeding them, leading them by night by a fire and leading them by day by the column of cloud feeding them with manna from heaven and pheasants and all that they could possibly need, water from the rock that he provided for them as their father and their God. And they're finally off to the promised land to cross the river Jordan to get to the land of milk and honey where God will finally provide in total abundance. But there are people there that aren't Israelites, that don't believe in Yahweh. They believe in all sorts of different gods. Some of them are gods of money. Some of them are gods of power. Some of them are gods of sex and honor and fame. 
They worship not God, but their appetites themselves, their desires, the current moment, whatever's cool right now. And they would be tempted, Joshua knew, to follow into these religions, the false gods that pay off immediately, that give me what I want and don't ask anything of me in return. So Joshua puts it to them. He says, you have to choose now whether you believe in the God of your fathers and mothers, the God that saved you and them, or whether you'll turn away. He says, if it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today whom you will serve. The gods your fathers served before, beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose country you are now dwelling. He says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I got to Newman in Champaign in 2003 as an 18-year-old freshman studying biochemistry. I was like many of the Catholics from the Chicago suburbs that went down to Champaign. had a Catholic upbringing, uh, thanks to my uh, very conscientious and faithful mother who dragged us to church, kicking and screaming every single Sunday, made sure we got our first communion. Actually, one of my CCD teachers is here, Mr. Tom Brown, who uh, knows that I willingly went according to my mom's plan, through the sacramental, despite my heathen, unbelieving father at the time, who was also here. He now believes. He's a Catholic. (laughs) I went to church and and was just like everybody else. I took in the CCD, took in the message, be a nice person. But it never really sunk in. I liked altar serving. I didn't mind going to church, but ultimately it was nothing. It was like Boy Scouts to me. It was just an activity we did outside of school. And then when I was in high school, my dad converted, thanks in large part to uh, Father Bob Barron, who's now Bishop Robert Barron, uh, who came to our parish on Sundays and preached these amazing homilies where he made the Word come alive for the first time. And me and my dad actually went through one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke, and read through and, and plumbed the depths and tried to figure out what do these parables mean together. And I had this great example of my parents and a priest or two that really inspired me and didn't necessarily convert me. I wasn't all the way Catholic. But it was enough that when I got to school, I checked out the Newman Center. Matter of fact, I was a junior in high school at the time, the first time I went to Champaign. And we walked into the chapel. If you've ever been to St. John's in Champaign, the chapel is stunning. It's very simple. Noble in its simplicity, but just beautiful. And the, the light coming through the stained glass windows and the incense from benediction just five minutes before... I said, i got to come here. i got to go to school here for this chapel. I ended up living in the dorm, but the, the chapel there, as you know, is, is huge. It's 2,000, and when I was there, I had 2,000 students come through every weekend for Mass. Way more than could fit in the dorm. It was a spiritual center for so many of the Catholic students, and it was for me. It was my home away from home. Anyways, all my friends that I made in school in some way were related to the Newman Center. In my faith. It was the first time that someone asked me, instead of what do you want to be when you grow up, what does God want you to be? What does God want for your life? And it got me thinking, I've never asked myself that question. And that was the beginning of my discernment of my vocation and, and for so many of my friends. It was also the first time I experienced the, the principle of the charcoal and the fire. Or if you get enough coals close together and heat them up, they'll keep each other warm. But if you cast one hot coal off into the the cold dirt, it'll go out. 
But I went to these focus conferences in Denver, and I went on koinonia retreats and Bible studies, and related to other young people my age with my same interests in different fields of studies, whether it was biochemistry or finance or engineering, and we all wanted to be better Christians, better Catholics, better disciples. And we kept each other warm, we kept each other faithful, we encouraged one another. I'm not alone in this. Even though the world thinks I'm crazy, I'm 18, 19 years old and I'm trying to be a good Catholic, I should be trying to have the most fun I can possibly have. It's the best four years of your life, man. Pat college. And there I was, trying to be a good Catholic. But it's because I had Catholic friends, because I had Newman. People talk a lot about a crisis in our culture, and I think there is one, especially among our young people. You can see that in these numbers of people hemorrhaging from the church. Shortage of priests and religious and even marriages. And that's bad for the church, but it's even worse for young people. That's what sometimes gets lost in the mix. It's bad for the church because we're having to close places or consolidate. But it's even worse for them for not, that, that aren't coming. Because they're missing something, even though they might not even know it. I was at Northwestern a few months ago. There was a panel discussion And Morty Shapiro, the president of Northwestern, was there and he was talking on the topic of uh, religious centers on campus. He's an observant Jew and frequents Hillel, the house uh, in Evanston at Northwestern for the Jewish students. Very active in his faith. And uh, he was very much in favor, even though it was a secular university, of kids learning their faith. He said so many of the Jewish people, and I could hear this as a Catholic, they stop learning about their faith once they go to college. They're studying astrophysics and multivariable calculus, but their religious education is an eighth grade level. It's the exact same thing in the Catholic Church. He says that's why these centers need to be here on secular campuses to make up for the fact that they're not learning it over there in those lecture halls. They need to be learning their faith while they're in college because they're students. And he said he's an, econo- he's an economist, and he, he studied the data of the kind of exit polls as people are graduating Northwestern. You know, they, they say, if you were to speak to yourself four years ago as a freshman, would you recommend your college experience? Would you say, do it again? Did you have a good enough time that you would go to Northwestern for four years to get an undergraduate degree again? And then the, they rate it, you know, definitely disagree, disagree mildly, neutral, etc. to strongly agree. And then they ask all sorts of other questions to correlate who's having good experiences and who's having bad ones. So there's three markers, three things that will predict whether or not you had a good college experience. One is, sadly, your participation in a fraternity or sorority, (laughs) which makes logical sense, doesn't it? Because you're at a huge secular college, you don't have much in the way of a a local, small family-like community, so sorority, fraternity creates that. Those are your brothers, those are your sisters. The other Northwestern was participation in a music group as a non-music major. They have a beautiful music program at Northwestern. When I was in high school at New Trier, we'd go down and, and play at the, at the theater there. And, um, the music school was very active, but non-music majors could be in bands and jazz bands and choirs, etc. And that, too, is like a little family. You have this special interest with common people. But he said the most reliably, uh, reliable predictor of success and satisfaction in college, a good college experience, was your active participation in a religious campus ministry. Number one, most reliable predictor. There's this uncertainty, as I mentioned at the beginning, infinite possibility, but infinite uncertainty. Who am I? What am I doing in life? Where am I going? That a religious upbringing 
and a religious education, even while you're in college, ameliorates that uncertainty and that anxiety and that sometimes depression right? and even suicide. See, just radical problems of kids having no direction, just floating out there. That being in a family, being in a community centered around God, and as we believe centered around Christ, can give to someone. It's so important. This Catholic campus center, Newman down in Champaign, gets a lot of attention because it's big and it has a dorm and it's so fancy. But as you know, especially if you've been supporters and friends of Newman here at UIC for a long time, Father Pat, for 27 years, quietly did the work of securing a future for the Catholic Church in Chicago. How many vocations came from this Newman Center? Innumerable ones. Religious women, priests. To say nothing of the dozens and dozens and dozens of Catholic weddings that Father Pat did here in Chicago and throughout the world. He got a world ticket tour. There's so many international students here. He's in Rome and Vietnam and God knows where celebrating weddings for faithful Catholic students that Newman helped form here in Chicago. I had the same experience in Champaign, just to name a few. I was kind of spitballing in my head today of the, the priests and religious that I know from Newman and Champaign. So Father Tom Byrne is now the director of Chicago Seminarians. He was my a year ahead of me at Newman with a degree in economics from U of I. Father Jamie Mueller, my classmate in college and roommate at Newman, has a bachelor's in Spanish and international affairs, now a priest. Father Derek Ho didn't live at Newman but was active and focused in Bible studies. The bachelor's in finance, now associate pastor at St. James in Arlington Heights. Father Bobby Kruger with a Bachelor's of Arts in Music and played all the Masses at Newman while we were there. Now is the pastor at St. Leonard's, Father Bobby Kruger. Father Tim Anastas with a Bachelor of Arts in Linguistics is now the Associate Pastor at uh, Mary Seat of Wisdom in, in Park Ridge. Megan Zerwick, little Megan Zerwick, a friend of mine at Newman, is now Sister uh, Grace Marie, a Sister of Life out in Washington, D.C. Sarah Pika, I remember hanging out with her at Murphy's Pub on Green Street in Champaign. Now she's a discalced Carmelite, Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross in Displains, a cloistered nun. There's two more seminarians from Newman up at Mundelein right now, Patrick Willie and Ben Rahimi. And this is just the, the ones I can think of. The ones at UIC, I mean, here's the thing, it's very tough to be Catholic right now. We had more bad news this past week. I'm sure that's not the end of it. You're weird for being a faithful Catholic right now, okay? It's not easy. And we need hope. But no program, no campaign, no Newman Center will fix the problem. The only thing that will save us is saints. Holy people that give their whole lives to Christ. And the fact of the matter is that God is sending future saints to secular colleges to study computer science and engineering and linguistics and God knows what else. He's sending them here to UIC to be formed, to be Catholic, to be disciples. And we need to be here. Everything that we do here at Newman should be drawing students closer to Christ and closer to each other forming communion between them and Jesus present to them in the Eucharist, and forming community within them so that they, they know that they are loved, that they're known, that they're valued, that they have a home. That's what Newman is. I want this place to be a spiritual center on campus. Not just on campus, in Chicago. This is where young people come when they want God, when they want to pray, 
when they want to hear the truth about a difficult topic, when they want to be with other people, be close to that charcoal fire and have their faith ignited. I want this to be a lifeboat for kids who are lost, who don't know where they're going in life, who are are, are victim to all the cultural um, winds of our times and they don't know who they are, what gender they are, or who they're attracted to, or, or what they should do in life. And I want them to come here and get safe, to know that they're primary identity is a beloved son or daughter of God and a brother and sister of us all, a member of the body of Christ. Know that they're loved and valued for who they are. I want this to be a family. This to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's when Newman is at its best. That's when a campus center is at its best. I'll finish with this. The gospel, we have a powerful moment. This is the end of the Bread of Life discourse where so many of the disciples are like, okay, I, had you, I was with you up to here, Jesus, right? Okay, healing the paralytic and the blind people, that's great. You're the vine and I'm the branches. I get that metaphor. But what is this about eating your flesh and drinking your blood? It's odd. Do you mean that metaphorically? And Jesus says, no, no. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, otherwise you have no life in you. I and you need to be one, Right? Closer than husband is to wife. Closer than son is to mother. Closer than anything any person could be on earth. We need to be one. As close as nourishment is to your flesh and bones. And most of them leave, it says. Have a nice life. I'll just go be a good Jew. I don't need to be a Christian or whatever you people are calling yourselves. Then he looks at his closest friends, Peter and the gang. He says, you going to leave too? And Peter says... Where would we go? (laughs) You have the words of eternal life. We've given everything. We've given up our boat, our family, our nets, our fish, everything. We're we're following you. We're with you. It takes courage to drop your nets, drop your boats, drop your lives, your hang-ups, and whatever else to follow Jesus. But I know I did, and I tried to, and I know many men and women who did when they were in college, when they were at Newman, when they were at secular universities, when it was not easy when you were kind of looked at a little bit askance, a little bit weirdly for following this Jesus guy with all his weird demands and all his weird doctrines. But it gave us life. It gave us direction. And a little bit of change of direction at 20 years old or 21 or 22 makes a huge difference with where you end up at 60 or 70 or 80. And whether you're looking back on your life and you're happy with it, whether you've lived love and been loved That's the goal for Newman. That's the goal for the church. I hope you'll help.